0: You're listening to Extra Takes, hosted by Northland Church lead pastor, Dr. Joshua Laxton. Tune in each week as Pastor Josh reveals the rest of the story behind his sermons. We'll discuss how those who follow Christ can live out a biblical vision for the church in the world today.
1: Well, hello, Northland family and friends. Welcome to another episode of Extra Takes. Now, we have a party going on Today, because it's not just my co-host Matt Shiles. We actually have added two more stunning fellows. We have Pastor Gus Davies with us as well as Joe Curtis. And so, hey, welcome all two extra takes. Thank you. We're glad
2: to be here. Thank
3: you. Peace be. Thank yeah. you.
1: Yes. So, so, Joe, you got a. so when I first met you, you always say, peace be. All right. Is is there is there a backstory to that? Since we're in the backstory of
2: generosity. Here, <laughs> exactly.
3: Is there yeah. a backstory to that? Yes. Quick, uh, quick version. I uh, was uh, a pastor, uh, pastoring. I won't say I was a pastor. I was a minister and pastoring a church. Yeah. And the ministry group that we had, that was our greeting. Okay. Peace be with you. Gotcha. Uh, So at the time, it just kind of meant, all right, just just a saying, but going on and along, like I always say, I like to know why Mm -hmm. of certain things and digging along. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of bringing into our generosity of what it truly means to be peace be. So I wouldn't just say it to our ministry group or just to Christians. I would say it to uh, people that don't believe in God. I would say it Mm -hmm. to Muslims, Hindu Peace be with you. And it would start discussions of, yes, I do understand. But it's it's a whole thing, a whole shalom, as we've talked about.
1: Absolutely, yeah. So it it really is that blessing, because that's Mm -hmm. the way, you know, when um, I guess it was last week, you know, we were talking about this idea of blessing. And so just your, you know, greeting is a blessing peace be so you're 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 asking you're asking you, you know God to peace be with you. you you know so shalom total flourishing be with you that's pretty cool so uh, well, welcome you. to the podcast
0: thank you thank you so when I heard that that Pastor Gus was going to be on the podcast I thought uh oh two pastors I'm going to need some backup so now I three. Say, oh
2: really now, you three, so.
3: <laughs> now I'm
0: in trouble so <laughs> so listeners get ready for about a four hour podcast <laughs> listen to it at
3: two times the speed <laughs> yeah. that's the way and, you'll get through but in your I wanted to ask because I wanted to clarify, yes, I was brought up in the decades of the 60s and 70s music, as we were brought up last week. I just right. wanted to clarify that right away. We are all about clarifying
1: communication, as it is one of our core organizational values. Yes.
0: So what we're going to do today is we're going to uh, separate this conversation into two parts. So this week and next week, and looking forward to uh, getting all of us involved. So we are in the backstory of generosity. The purpose of generosity is flourishing. Um, this started October 29th and 30th, and uh, we are in, believe it or not, Genesis 1. <laughs> we, we've done a lot in Genesis 1, and I don't think we're uh, done yet. Yeah. Um, so the there's
1: main... so much gold there. So much gold there is. To, yeah, to dig
0: up. Uh, yeah, we really appreciate it. So there's there's two ways to say the main point. Uh, First is generosity aims for flourishing. And second, generous people aim towards flourishing for the people and things they love. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so to kind of get us started, um, I have to ask a countertop ice maker. Really? So Man, I, I didn't know they existed, but I was just tired of running out of ice. I mean – So you mentioned it in service. I did, and you yeah. mentioned it in service that Joni was in. So the question is, does yeah. that increase or decrease your, your
1: uh, actuality of getting that as a gift? Well, I, I, well I, I've heard – from from a couple of different people, it has definitely increased. Oh, my oh. yeah, the the potential of me getting a countertop ice maker maybe even before Christmas. That Ooh. <laughs> oh yeah. So we'll see. So Pastor Gus and Josh, have you guys ever considered
0: buying a countertop ice maker? Is that on your list our, of our you know, Joe, Joe and yeah, I? Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: I didn't even, I say. Yeah, yeah, yeah Matt, 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 Matt's so confused now because he said, "Joe." I'm not,
3: yeah. <laughs> I mean,
0: I'm,
1: I'm even. I,
3: there's like, too I'm many angry. people here.
1: <laughs> I tell you, it is a party. We it have not been truth. drinking. I promise, we all have water. Whoa. So, yeah, uh, holy water. So, Joe and, and Pastor Gus, Gus. Have you yeah. ever thought about countertop ice maker?
3: I didn't even know they existed. Oh, yeah. I was like, "Oh, that's up on the screen. That's a real thing."
1: I thought no, <laughs> Amazon. Yeah, Amazon needs to start paying me some it, marketing yes. dollars. Yes, you exactly. know, Because I, I think because I didn't know that they. I just looked. I'm like, yeah. I'm tired of running out of ice. Is there something to go on my counter that that you don't have to have a like a a water connector to mm-hmm. it? And so now you pour water into this kind of I think reservoir or mm-hmm. something, and, and it, it generates sense. ice up to twenty six pounds a. Day.
2: Okay. What, what I, I have not thought about getting it But I think people who run You have kids They need more ice I think it's very healthy thing to have in your home So you're not running around what? Going to the store and buy ice that you put in your freezer I think it just makes sense You know why? The reviews are very popular. <laughs> oh, 15, reviews. Yeah, 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 but I got a question yeah. for you,
1: though. Yeah. There, Gus. Mm-hmm. Um, so you grew up in Sierra Leone, correct? Did you have ice? No, I did not have okay, ice. So you no. don't even, that's why you never even thought about it. Yes, like, and
2: I have not thought about it, and I don't always drink <laughs> ice. Yeah. So I'm one of those that are always flipping that little <laughs> switch: more ice or no ice. It depends on who's coming to my house. There you
0: go. There you go. So, uh, so it. Josh might need to come
2: over and get some of your ice. Um, well, there'll be a process, you know. Josh does everything with a process, yeah. <laughs> you know. I think it's an eight-mile distance. I have to find out how do we review the ice from my house to his house. To his but house, I think he right. should really get the the, the countertop ice. So, so it's
1: so funny too. I'm sorry. i sorry, I know we're on this. We're already, off, yeah. the, we're all, already we're off the rails. We're already off the rails. But so not only have we gotten bags of ice uh, from bags of ice from public, yeah, yeah. But did you know? Did you know that uh-huh. Sonic? sells bags of ice. And, no. and because people love Sonic's ice, they love the little nuggets, yes. the little yeah, the little ice nuggets. And so one day, Joni says to Texas Caleb and says, hey, when you stop by Sonic, because he stops by Sonic almost every day, she said, get a bag of ice from Sonic. And so he got a bag of ice and brought it home. And so, and yeah, because those are, those huh. little ice nuggets are, you know, more fun to chew on. Yeah, they are. That yeah. Is, so I knew better. that. About. I knew that about McDonald's. Oh,
0: the, I didn't hey, know did the ice McDonald's. McDonald's. I'm pretty sure
1: it's a dollar a bag. This is yeah. why extra takes is so important. We get
0: more. We deep go deep into
3: deep in even ice. <laughs> then wow, ice, ice. And then the end of
1: part one. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> so, so, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try my okay. best to Let's reel us back that. in. Yeah, right? doing that. I'm sorry. Good. I'm supposed to that be that your way.
3: backup, and I fell in the hole already. <laughs>
0: So this past weekend, we talked about systems and structures. Um, so for our personal life, if I think about spiritual disciplines, we can uh, really thrive with good structures. So for any of you, um, I just want to throw this out. What are some of these structures, some good structures that you have set up in your personal life, your family life, that have helped you with prayer, with Bible reading, with fasting, etc.?
1: I'll defer to either Joe or Gus to go first on this.
2: So when I heard that question and also think about the message, I think Pastor Josh actually said something that helps your personal devotion to be able to know the structures. He mentioned... Psalm 19. So when he mentioned that, you know, God's creation, there's a system and a structure there. So how does that help my devotional life? Mm. When I see the sunrise, I always look east when I come out of my house. And I think I would have to know that God has a system, a structure, and a time. That sun rises— And so that really lets me know God's system and structure is is working for me to feel his presence. Mm -hmm. And also if you see a sunset. So there's a worship that goes on there Mm -hmm. Mm unbeknown. Also, if you know that we're talking about systems and structures that were created. So you even know from your physical body that God created this process that will help you. I am someone I thrive on very little sleep, but I know that God created my body to sleep. Mm. So if I don't get it the night before, I have to get it during the day. Mm. So those are rhythms that helps me to follow not only my biological clock, but to know that there's a grand creator behind all of this. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. I love that.
3: Yeah. Very similar, just personal, just setting up the plan of like planning ahead, like, okay, looking at, all right, when am I going to sit and read the Bible? When am I going to fast? How long am I going to fast? Uh And just make, you know, making sure I'm planning to read and to meditate, not just read it as a novel or a quick book and then close it and go off, mm-hmm. but planning that out. And just like Pastor Gus, I am very similar to I don't sleep that much. Early in the morning, I'm up. Mm -hmm. I'm an early bird. And Mm -hmm. I just realize, okay, if I'm up, I'm up for a reason. Let me just take advantage of this time Mm -hmm. particular thing and just planning that out.
1: That's great. Yeah, and I think of when I think about the the idea of, you know, kind of structure – when it comes to the spiritual disciplines of my life, I like to think about rhythms. I mean, mm-hmm. because in some sense, when you when you look at creation, it has rhythms. Like, you know, that's part of the whole idea of the structure of the moon. It creates rhythm in the oceans. And tide comes in, tide comes out. Mm-hmm. And so, if you think about your life in a rhythm, like your weekly rhythm, what's your weekly rhythm? What's your daily? Rhythm, and, and you get into that rhythm, just like a good song, um, you know, that you sing or a, a song that you dance to. That mm-hmm. there's a rhythm, you know, to it. And then when you think about your 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 daily rhythm, your weekly rhythm, when it comes to prayer, Bible reading, fasting, fellowship, evangelism, whatever it may be. Take, take just, for instance, Bible reading. Now, I think sometimes it might be helpful to think of the structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what is your structure? Is it reading through the Bible in a year? And so I'm mm-hmm. going to get a one-year Bible. It gives me the structure already. So when I get into that rhythm of uh, whether it's the morning or the night where I'm going to read, I have a structure in place. It's, mm-hmm. the, daily, it's the one-year Bible. So I'm going to read through the Bible in a year. Or, like for me, <laughs> you know, mine is uh, I go to Old Testament testament read through an old testament book then i go to a new testament book and and now right now i'm uh, reading through psalm and so after i read through the book of psalm now i'm going to go to a new testament so i have a i I have not only a rhythm of when i read but i actually have a structure in how i read
0: and i think the the important part of that is when we think about flourishing it's impossible to flourish without those structures so if we Mm -hmm. don't have that intentionality um, it won't happen yeah. It won't happen. Yeah. Um, so when we talked about roles and responsibilities, you, um, Pastor Josh, you laid out fixed and binary roles. And, um, and I was thinking, I, I think you got some questions this week about how do we respond, so as followers of Christ, um, to gender fluidity, um, to pronouns, personal pronouns using those, um, how how are we to respond in light
1: of uh, of what we learned this weekend about fixed and binary roles? Well, yeah, and well, and the the fixed and, and binary that actually comes in part, you know, in in the in the second part of the message where I just talk about structures, the roles and responsibilities do not come later because, mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll use roles and responsibilities as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, so, under point number two, though, I said that there are binary units that God has created. You know, you have day and night, you have light and darkness, you have sea and land, and then you have male and female. Mm-hmm. These are binary units. And so, when it comes to gender, male and female, our culture wants to say that they are a social construct that means it's subjective. So, one day, if you want to be a female, but but you are you Born a male, you can. It's a social construct where it's subjective, and you get to declare what you are. Uh, but but here's the thing about gender: male and female. Th- th- that's not a social construct according to the Bible. Even it rooted in Genesis one, male and female. It's biological. It's anatomical. You know, so you are born with you know uh, these chromosomes, either male or female. So it's scientific biological, not social, hmm. but an example of a social construct could be gender roles and responsibilities. Hmm. So in the 20th century, earlier, you know, 20 to mid 20th century, you had the social construct that women should be barefoot, basically and pregnant, and not work outside the home. That is a social construct, and men they work outside the home and they bring home the bacon. That is a social construct. Now, some people would want to say, "Well, no, you know the scripture." But hang on, if you read Proverbs thirty-one, the, 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 there's this idea that that uh, the 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 godly woman she's making money for a home, hmm. like she's. Economically savvy, mm. so so don't sit here and you know say, well, women don't are, aren't to work outside the home. I, we can give you you know some example after examples, both from Old Testament and New Testament, mm. where women, Lydia, you know, seller of fine purple, you know, mm. Paul didn't go to her, you know, down by the river and say, what are you doing outside the home selling fine purple right. and being you know being being rich? You you know what the Bible said, and he doesn't say that. Right. So so that's where a social that's a social construct on gender roles. And responsibilities, but in terms of gender, no. bi- it's biological. It's not socially constructed. Now, for you know, what what what's so interesting too, when you think about this idea of social construct. Uh, so this came out, I think it was last year. Demi Lovato, famous singer. Yeah here's uh, what, um, I'm going to say she, but she would want to go by they, but this is what she said. This has come after a lot of healing and self-reflective work. I'm still learning and coming into myself, and I don't claim to be an expert or spokesperson. Sharing this with you now opens another level of vulnerability for me. I'm doing this for those out there that haven't been able to share who they truly are with their loved ones please keep living in your truths and know I am sending so much love your way and so she came out and she says I'm non-binary so I'm not even going by he or she I'm going by they but what's so interesting about that is she's so she's she, she's she's um, uh, she she's so what the, the word that I'm, I'm trying to look for she's so confident mm. in now that she's they but but she says i'm still learning and coming into myself yeah yeah okay so uh, and then but here's the other thing though it's not a social construct it's actually an individual construct yeah so it's no longer cu- culturally constructed yeah but it's individualized yes. now so that's why like even in our public school system you have you have you, you literally can have these Kids who are eight years old, nine years old, walk into a school and declare what they want to be that day. Well, that's individually constructed. It's not a social construct. So we have to be, you know, we just have to be honest with really what it even is in our culture. And so, but when it comes to the Bible, it's male, female, biologically. And so to sit here and argue with creational design, or let's just give it to evolutionists, even if you believe in evolution. Mm. there's still these chromosomes that you have to fend with. Like, okay, so in some sense, I don't get to choose my chromosomes. And so yeah. biologically and by science, yeah. you are, you are birthed with a gender. Yeah.
2: Uh, so, uh-huh. yeah, and, well put.
0: and something I heard there um, when she talked about, you know, your truth, yes. that, that's a postmodern uh, idea. So we, we really have to be um, um, very discerning. When we are seeing headlines like that, and we're reading stories um, where where is their uh, what's their worldview where is their where are they seeking truth and uh, and then comparing that to the Bible mm-hmm.
1: and what's so interesting too even about that is now you have you, you have uh, the the larger culture that tell people to live into your truths. But what, but, but what ends up happening though is that they project their individual truths on everybody else, yeah. and in some sense, then they get mad at the church for wanting to do the same thing. But it's not our truth; it's God's truth, because mm-hmm. we actually have an, a, we we literally have a a book that we believe is authoritative that wasn't mm-hmm. that yes was written by the hand of men but inspired by, by a holy God. Yeah. But what is their authority? It's how they feel. And so, and that's where it's Mm -hmm. a very dangerous, it's a, it's a very dangerous trajectory when we live in a culture of, of individual truths that then begin to say, you live out your own truth. But if you, but if you deviate from our individual truth, Mm -hmm. then somehow you are the bigot. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and this weekend, um, you helped to uh, paint a picture for us of the immense creativity. Of our Creator. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for, so for all of you, um, I wonder how, how can we use nature and creation as a way to point people to God? Pastor Gus, um, in your previous response, you even said in, in your rhythms, your personal rhythms, you do that. So, um, but how can we do that to, uh, to point people to God?
2: Well, I can start with that because you can use um, creation from objective truth. Because you can see what the Scripture says, that God is the one who created. Now, if you come back and say that, well, I don't believe that he created the animals, the birds, the ocean, the land. What truth do you have that we really go against that? Mm -hmm. So we have to be able to say God has made the declaration Mm -hmm. of what is truth. And that truth from God is what you can use to be able to tell people you can't change that. You know, we heard this week again in the message that if you are looking at these social constructs we're talking about and you're looking at the biblical, biological messages, there's a conflict there. And I think another thing you heard this week that we can dig deeper in, are we really trying to be greedy with what I want Hmm. and reject, oppose and deny the truth of God. Yeah. So creation that God has given us is really a place to be able to point people to to the truth mm. because that truth is unchangeable over 2,000 or more years ago. What it was in Genesis, as we've been in Genesis 1-2, mm. is the same today as we can be talking this day. So Joe, what are you thinking?
3: Just the, uh, just the nature uh, piece of it of how, and I think, you know, Pastor Josh, you said it, how God's systems and structures and roles and responsibility just works perfectly. Mm. And it just reminds me of, of Matthew 11 of, of saying, my yoke is easy. Mm. Yeah. And it's like when you're working within the, you know, the system, you're working within the structure, you're, you're having your role and your responsibility in there, things just flow. And we've talked about rhythm and, you know, a, a good song or a good flow is just like it just goes. And it's so easy. You're just kind of the the term going with the flow. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, that's amazing.
2: I'm thinking about something that relates to all of this out of Genesis. You know, God created. And I think we've also heard in earlier teaching that we have to relate to God's creation. If you relate to God's creation, then you operate under his system. So if you create your own system, how are you going to be able to operate under that system? So we really need to be able to say I relate to God, he created and I can operate. And it is faulty, you know, even the quotes that Pastor Josh just read, if I say they, this is mine, that's not going to last long. No one else is going to operate and under that system and relate to you. So we come back to What is the truth under which I am created, I relate and operate? So I can see how this is fitting into God's system that he created, God's structures that he created. And because of these structures and systems, Mm. I can operate and I can create. And if if
1: you don't believe, and here's the thing, this is where one of the statements that I made, it does take more faith Mm. to believe in evolution Mm. than it does Creation, that there was, there was a intelligent design behind creation. But, but, but if you follow the, the logic of evolution, that it's by happenstance, it's by chance, there, there's really no rhyme or reason why things came into existence, but somehow they, it, it, it did. But but then you have to look at your own life, and if you believe that that's where you originated from, just that th- that there was no matter, then it became matter, and in some sense, it just kind of again over millions and billions of years just organized itself. But again, with no ultimate you know purpose or overarching mm. framework, what does that say about your life? Mm. You know, that, I, yeah, I mean, everything is happenstance. Like, the, the, you know, that, uh, there's no purpose, there's no meaning, there, there, there really is no system and structure. Sure, there's science, uh, that in some sense was, that, that it was birthed out of this nothing. Uh, but when you look at create, you know, when you look at, uh, creation, uh, design and that you see a creator who is the one that, that brought everything into existence out of nothing, but with precision and purpose, this master engineer, and you look at the diversity in which he creates, and Mm. you look at, you know, the intricacies of sea creatures and land life, and even the the creatures that can live both in the sea and on the land. I mean, you're thinking, oh, my land. And then you look at the complexity of human life. Yes. (laughs) I mean, you're thinking, I am, that's why the psalmist could say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And, and I know that we live in a fallen world now, broken. That's why I've, I wanted to look at flourishing, the backstory of generosity, and look at flourishing before the, before sin entered the world. Right. Be, because it was very good. And mm-hmm. I know that it's flawed now. Mm-hmm. But, but, the, the creation that God cre- created, it's still inherently good. Yes. You, you know, um, and so, so that's where I want people to, and, I, and, and my heart's burden for Gen Z. Mm. Uh, so it's for everybody, but for Gen Z, the, I mean, those who are between the ages of seven and I think 23, 24 now. And if you're struggling over who you are and you don't have an identity, you don't know your purpose. I want you to look to the Creator mm-hmm. because He has He has designed you with precision. Mm-hmm. He has designed you with purpose. Yeah. He has designed He's designed you not to just function, but to flourish. And the only way to flourish is in a system you were designed to live in. Mm-hmm. And so, and to make sure that structure of who you are and what you do fits within to the system. Of who God is and what He has designed you to do, and mm. so um, so that that's that's a huge huge takeaway yeah. from from this. Yeah. Mm.
0: So this series on generosity is really a lot more than just
1: money, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it really is. Ho- hopefully, yeah, we will just expand our yeah. understanding of generosity. Yeah, uh, because we occupy, you, you know, we are present in all of these structures or spheres. You can you interchange them spheres or structures, and I put up that graph. Right, you have mar- you have marriage and family,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you have work, vocation, and then call and vocational call. So you you have the sphere of work or the structure of work, and then you have the the structures of of community, city, and church. Mm-hmm. And so generosity is is going to be seen in all of those, uh, because if you want flourishing to happen in all of those, it has to be undergirded with generosity. Yeah, so. So
0: specifically talking about church and talking about this church, um, you mentioned and you talked about the transition we've been in for uh, quite a while now. And you said, honestly, Northland has been functioning and not flourishing. Mm-hmm. And uh, to be honest, you know, we feel it um, when you're functioning and not flourishing. It's, it's hard. It's exhausting. It's tiring just to, just to function. So at the risk of sounding a little too cynical, um, is this really obtainable? this idea of, of full flourishing within the church
1: well I did I did give the caveat when I was when I was trying to you know tie up the the bow at the very end I gave the caveat that we live in a fallen, and broken world, yeah. so obtaining and sustaining a five-star rating is achievable. But God has put within us the at least the capacity and understanding of how we, pers- you know, pursue yeah. shalom and total flourishing. Yeah. But what I would say is, if any, if any, in you know, institution, structure, could could at least at least taste and get a glimpse of Shalom and total flourishing it could be the church amen it could be the church mm-hmm. and and it, and it needs to be and it could be our families and our marriages where two believers exist yeah and so i believe in the structures that are occupied by believers yeah. that's the reason why like you know when i get to it at some point in the next couple of weeks when it comes to us engaging the community and city in which we live, we can work for the common good and, and give elements of of, of good and, and flourishing, but we'll never see total flourishing in the cities and communities because of this thing called sin, sin. and where uh, you have a lot of people that do not operate under the system of God's kingdom, mm-hmm. but we can still work for the common good through the lens of common grace. But, in the church and in our families, we can operate within special grace mm. uh, we We can operate in the capacity of being transformed by the blood of Jesus in the power of the holy spirit so yeah. uh but i I do want to just dig a little bit deeper too, in just the functionality of northland and and I was telling pastor- you know if I was telling Pastor Gus today at at breakfast like I didn't, you know, I, I didn't make that statement to throw anybody under the bus. Right. Uh, because I, I, there's, I, I, I don't know anybody in some sense to blame, but if you look at uh, Northland over the last five, 10 years th- through the transitions, I promise you, you can go into the structures and you could you can begin to see the breakdown and those structures could be in the communication those structures could be in the frustrations between staff members it could be in the miscommunication mm. and so whatever it may you know it could be in theology I mean, so so there's a lot of things that could, and again, I'm not going to sit here and and pinpoint anything and diagnose anything specifically, but but when you go from a church of twelve thousand down to a church of you, you know six seven hundred, something went wrong. Yeah. And so what we're and and but this is where I feel like the Lord has us. He has not forgotten Northland. Amen. Uh, Jesus is still all sitting on his throne and what we're doing in these coming, well, really over the last seven months. And then as we continue to project over the next few months and couple of years is that we're asking Jesus who brought creation into existence because he was the logos and God spoke the world into existence. So we're asking Jesus to put us to order, bring us into order. And so we're looking at, we're looking at the system in which we're in the kingdom of God and and what he has said about the kingdom. We're looking at every structure that we have, have uh, from how we're governed to the structures of our ministries and programs and how we communicate, and then also who we're asking to join us Mm. in what God's doing. And we're saying, all right, here's the system, here are the structures, and we need generous people to occupy, understanding their roles and responsibilities, because I truly believe that the best days of Mm. Northland lie ahead Mm. and they do not lie
3: behind. Amen. And just to add, you know, 4.6, 4.7 stars is really good still. Yeah. <laughs> when I see that on it, I'm like, okay, this is good. That's, Moving. That's pretty good. <laughs> yes. And, and as we look
0: forward, um, when we look at flourishing, this is an all-of-life endeavor. We're not just talking about the church. We're talking about our family, our friends, our work. You know, I thought um, we don't just transform our church without transforming our families.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: and we don't just transform our church without transforming our workplace. So they all work together.
1: Yeah, well, you know that that little kindergarten chart drawing that I put up at the <laughs> <tried>. very end. <laughs> that was, uh, that,
3: that,
1: was <laughs> that wasn't bad. That was better than I could have done. Okay, well, I mean, uh, that's good. I tried. I liked uh, it. Yeah. But, I, you know, what I really wanted to draw, like when you, and again, I'm not a science person at all. Like, I barely paid attention to, you know, science, biology class, but. But I've, I' I definitely looked at these ecosystem charts mm. and and it shows how everything is is interrelated yeah and, and I did obviously use the example of the Yellowstone ecosystem mm-hmm. but if you look at those three structures you know kind of marriage and family vocation and career and then city community mm-hmm. and church that comprises the ecosystem in which we live. so that's why if you have he- healthy families that are comprising of a healthy church, and then you have a healthy church that's pouring into healthy families. I mean, just think of how they feed off of one another. And then a healthy church in a community that is broken and in desperate need of Jesus, then you have you you have a, a higher salt count, <laughs> you know, a higher light capacity, mm-hmm. you know. So I mean, that's why when you look at the ecosystem of God's kingdom mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. through a through a church. Uh, And and how they symbiotically work together, that's why it's so important. I mean, really, it's why it's so important for churches, not just Northland. That's why we ought to pray for every church that proclaims the name of Jesus, that they ought to be healthy, because healthy churches and healthy families actually invest in communities, and as a result, those communities even become healthier.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. amen. Mm -hmm.
1: So we're going to start wrapping up this first part by
0: asking this last question. Um, You had said, Pastor Josh, if you are a generous person person and you're married, you will seek and work to bring flourishing to your marriage. If you have kids, you will work to bring flourishing to your home. And you talked about the workplace as well. So kind of for, for all of you, this last question is, what does this practically look
1: like in our everyday life? Well, I mean, I'm just going to answer it by going, that's the cliffhanger. <laughs> that, you can't you can't
0: tell us now. That, that's
1: the cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah, cliff. yeah, that is like yes. that. one well, because I ended with that. Like, you want to know how, what does this look like in practice? I want to know like for today. Um, so yeah, I can't tell you today. No. You, you got to come uh, uh, not this coming weekend, but so the we, next we, weekend. Yes. weekend. And so because yeah, that is. I mean, I'm going to show you how you work for it and how God did. And I did give the hint of time, talents, and treasures, but it's how you leverage them. Yeah. But we'll actually look. I mean, this is what I'm. I'm really interested in studying and digging deeper. In, in that study is how God used time. Like I'll give you another hint. All right, so you're you're fishing in that, and I want to I want to put at least a little nibble, on, Nibble on oh, the yeah, picture. a little nibble. So really, then. Uh, but th- think think about God's use of time. So so He created time, therefore He's in control of time. But how many of us allow time to control us? Mm. And because we allow time to control us, we don't have time to give. And so therefore, if we don't have time to give, we can't be generous with our time. And so, so that's just one way. And then, you know, if you look at, um, th- think about his talent uh, and I'm going to go through all of God's talents and it's going to be unfair. I mean, w- when you compare God's talents to ours, but think about the quality in which he utilized his talents, mm-hmm. the quality, mm-hmm. you, you know? And so, I mean, so th- those are the, again, those are some hints I'm, I'm going to throw, you know, kind of throw out there, but I do want to go back to one particular thing and I want to, you know, as we end this one. Uh, because as we did talk about gender fluidity. I did have some questions that came up and said, hey, I, I, I'm, I'm in the public school system, and how do I respond to people who want me to use their gender pronouns? Yeah. And so so I, I just want to tackle that in the next just few moments. And so that's a great question, because that's, that, that is something that we are dealing with in our culture right now. And so here's what I would say. You need to think about it in a, a couple of ways. Uh, missiologically, theologically and ecclesiologically, all right? So missiologically. So if you are on their grounds, right? Like if you're in their sphere, Sphere. right? Um, Then one of the things I think you can think about is meeting them where they are, all right? Now, if you do not feel comfortable using their pronouns, then you need to learn their name and just say their name. Now, it might be, it might be a little, you know, it might be a little awkward, but hey, they, they made it awkward, right? So, mm-hmm. so just find out their name. So if you, you have uh, Sarah that wants to be Sam now, just say Sam, you, you know, don't even try to do the pronouns. Just say their name. But, but missionally, I would say it, it's, I, I would say it's okay to meet them on their grounds mm-hmm. and to form this common ground relationally that leaves the door open for for you to possibly maybe do more later on. But the second, you know, and so the second thing and and theologically, this is what I would say, is that you you need to know what the Bible says and I, I think we were kind of uh, not kind of uh but we were clear in this past weekend what what the Bible teaches which leads to the you know, the ecclesiological element is that, and this is part of where I think it's so important to see two concentric circles overlapping. So you have Mm. the kingdom of man Mm. and the kingdom of God, and you have the overlap. Mm. Okay, Mm. so in the church, we represent the kingdom of God. And so that's why it's so important for the church to understand theologically what we believe Mm. about everything um so what what I want to make sure uh, happens here at Northland is that we create structures that actually are safe uh, that are conducive for discussions uh, for for people who may be struggling with this to come in and learn what the church believes. And so so I want to make sure that as a church, not just on one weekend in a 52-week calendar year, but that we have structures throughout the year that teach what we believe about gender, what we believe about sexuality, so that we can have safe spaces for people to explore mm. what the Bible teaches. But we should never be ashamed of what the Bible teaches and we and we should never sweep what the Bible teaches under the rug, especially if we feel like it's hard. No, we need the Bible more than ever. But that's the reason why I say the kingdom of man, hey, let's meet them where they are, on their turf. Yeah. But when it comes to the kingdom of God and the church, we are, in, we, we are a signpost. We are an outpost. We are an embassy of the kingdom. Yeah. And we need to make sure that we have structures that are, that are uh, there that can teach everybody, not only believers but 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 non-believers who are exploring mm. who may be attending and they could be these safe environments where we where we interact and discuss with one another. But the last thing I will say and, I, and, and, I, and I'm done, I do believe and I did say this too, that in the larger conversation our culture is having over gender, I do believe that the church must be prophetic Uh, in this regard. And we must speak against the gender fluidity. Now, here's what I'm going to say. Because, now remember, the concentric circles are important. So you have Mm -hmm. the kingdom of man, kingdom of God. The kingdom of man does not hold to the authority of God's word. So to prophetically speak into a culture, we cannot say the Bible says, therefore, boom. But this is where we have to be able to use their own arguments against them.
0: Mm.
1: So, and this is where the arguments of science. It really comes into be- mm. And here's the thing. We should not be afraid. As Christians, we should not be afraid of science. I, I may, I, hopefully, I made that clear this past weekend. Yep. God created science. Yep. I mean, the whole idea of the solar system and the ecosystem and all of that, all of that's undergirded by scientific laws. Mm. So so here here we have the kingdom of man that they, they want to be ruled by science in, in, in some regard, right? Now, we are seeing in a very post-postmodern culture, we want to be ruled by feelings. Mm. But what we need to be able to do is use the arguments against them and go, this leads to nowhere good and healthy. And here's the thing: an eight-year-old does not need to be declaring what gender they are. Like they, I mean, they, they they're not their brain has not even been fully developed. I mean, we see in so many different regards that you're not fully developed until later on in life. So so these are things that we need to be we we need to be engaged in. And yes ultimately we are undergirded by the authority of scripture but again this is part of where we have to learn to be winsome and wise so we can't we cannot tell a culture that does not stand on the authority of scripture well the bible says they don't they don't care what the bible says right. so that's why we need to un, you know we need to understand this in multiple ways and but how it ultimately is an attack on creation design, and we know this is that any attack on creational design is detrimental to the future of a civilization. Mm-hmm. And so, so that's where we we're obviously we're operating from that auspice, but we're engaging a culture and speaking prophetically into a culture that is deviating from creational design. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so that's the last thing I you know, kind of <laughs> yes, want to say. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's great. So that's a
0: great spot for us to uh, end this first part. We will continue this conversation with – Pastor Gus and Joe in the second part. uh, Joe is going to be the official question asker. So you're up. Sub sub is in. I'm subbing you in. Subbing in.
1: (laughs) in, Tapping out, uh, Matt. So, well, Northland family and friends, thanks so much for joining us for this Extra Takes podcast. Hey, if you want to take just a second and you want to review this podcast and you want to give us a five-star rating because it brings flourishing to your life, then we would welcome that. Well, we love you. God bless.
0: Thanks for listening to Extra Takes.
1: Be sure to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you won't miss a single episode.